Their superficial minds only have the capacity to reason in the normal channels and are ever ready to mock at spiritual seekers since they have no idea what prompts such people to take up this path. The true spiritual seeker should push forward undaunted by the world's opinion. Ganesha's encounter with Parashurama, the sixth incarnation of Lord Vishnu, is given in the Brahmavaivatta Purana. Parashurama had done tapasya in the Himalayas and propitiated Lord Shiva, who presented him with an axe or parashu, which had divine powers. One day, Parashurama went to Kailasa to pay his respects to Lord Shiva. Both Kartikeya and Ganesha were guarding the gate. When he tried to enter, Ganesha stopped him and said that his father was resting and he would have to wait outside while he went inside and asked his father's permission to let him in. Parashurama was an irate man and said that since he was Shiva's favorite disciple, there was no need for Ganesha to announce his arrival. Ganesha, as can be expected, did not yield and soon the argument went from words to blows. Parashurama took his axe and threw it at Ganesha. Ganesha knew that it was his father's axe and did nothing to avoid it. Fortunately, it did not damage his face but chopped off his right tusk which fell on the earth with a tremendous thud. Everyone came running to find out the cause of this racket. They found Ganesha lying unconscious on the ground and Parashurama standing with his head hanging in shame. Parvati took her darling son in her arms and revived him. She turned her wrath on Parashurama and said angrily, Do you know the strength of my son? He could have crushed you to a powder in a trice. Yet she desisted from doing so, since you had flung his father's weapon at him. He showed great patience and devotion in the face of your insufferable anger and pride. She was about to curse him when Lord Krishna came and pacified her. Parashurama went and bathed in the Ganga to cool himself, and then worshipped all three deities separately, Shiva, Parvati and Ganesha, and thus managed to get their blessings instead of their curses. The Brahma Vaivattas Purana tells the story of how Tulsi was cursed by Ganesha. Tulsi was the daughter of Dharmaraja, the god of righteousness. She was an incarnation of Lakshmi and thus a great devotee of Narayana. Even as a young girl, she had gone to the Himalayas to do tapasya in order to propitiate Narayana. Once when she was taking a walk, she came upon a lovely ashrama situated on the banks of the Ganga. There she saw an ascetic in the prime of his youth, clad in yellow silk, sitting in deep meditation. She was captivated by his good looks and entreated him to marry her. The youth was actually Ganesha, and he told her that he was least interested in marriage. Tulsi was unhappy at this repudiation and cursed him that he would definitely marry not one but two wives. Ganesha in return cursed her that she would marry an Asura and later that she would be born as a plant. When Tulsi realized who Ganesha was, she fell at his feet and begged him to retract the curse. He relented and told her, You will be born as the holy Tulsi plant, which will contain the essence of all fragrances. You will be especially pleasing to Lord Narayana. No puja of his or of Krishna's will be complete without an offering of your leaves. All the holy rivers of this land will be found at your roots and all the gods in your stem. However, I personally will not accept you in my puja. Hence it is that Tulsi leaves are never offered to Ganesha except on Ganesha Chaturthi Day. Tulsi had been very repentant and begged him to allow her to worship him.
He had relented and agreed that her leaves could be used for his worship on Chaturthi day. The Mahabharata gives a story of how Ganesha became Vyasa's scribe. Veda Vyasa, as we have seen, was a compiler of the Vedas and the author of all the Puranas. He had conceived the outlay of the magnificent epic known as the Mahabharata, which is the largest manuscript ever composed in the world. He wanted to put it down in writing so that others could study it. At that time, Brahma came to his ashrama. After having welcomed him with all due honors, Vyasa posed his question to him. O grandsire, he said, I have conceived of a wonderful story in my mind which carries the import of the Vedas and the Upanishads and will cover all aspects of dharma in this world. However, I haven't been able to find someone who is capable of taking it down while I dictate. Brahma was very pleased to hear about such a book and told him to meditate on Ganesha. Vyasa sat and meditated on Ganesha, and very soon he appeared before him. Vyasa prostrated to him and begged him to be his scribe. Ganesha agreed, but on one condition. You should not allow my pen to stop writing, even for a minute. I will keep writing as long as you keep talking. Once you stop, I will also stop and will not continue. Vyasa thought for a while and put a counter condition. I agree to your terms, provided you agree to my proviso. You can keep writing so long as you understand what you're writing. But you should stop when you do not understand what I have said. Ganesha agreed, and so the saint and the Lord sat together in a cave, which still exists to the north of the temple of Badrinarayana in the Himalayas. This cave is known as Vyasa Gupa, or the cave Vyasa. Another cave which is situated close by is known as Ganesha Gupa, or the cave of Ganesha. The story goes that Ganesha broke one of his tusks and used it as a stylus, but this story is not found in the Mahabharata. We also meditated on Lord Narayana, the friend of humanity, and on Saraswati, the goddess of knowledge, and then proceeded to dictate the book. Sometimes Vyasa found that Ganesha was too swift for him. Immediately he would compose a few abstruse stanzas which would make Ganesha stop and nibble her stylus while he pondered on the meaning of the verse. This would give enough time for Vyasa to think of more verses. Thus did Vyasa write the Mahabharata with Ganesha as his scribe. The implication of the story is that the book is not one to be read casually without understanding the meaning. Every stanza is pregnant with a deep significance and should be carefully studied and assimilated. If Ganesha, the mighty intellect himself, could not grasp some of the ideas immediately, how much longer would it take us to understand it? Another interesting fact is that Ganesha must have been the first student of the Bhagavad Gita, which comes in the middle of the Mahabharata. So the Bhagavad Gita, as well as the whole of the Mahabharata, must have had the full approval of Lord Ganesha. The three sons of the demon Taraka once propitiated Brahma by their severe penance and asked him to make three cities for them. Mayan, the architect of the demons, created three wonderful cities for them in gold, silver, and iron. The, the demons were thus able to fly around in these cities since they could be airborne. They soon became very powerful and started to harass the gods, who as usual went and begged Vishnu to help them. The gods came together and hatched a plan to kill the demons of the three cities. Unfortunately, Brahma had given them a boon that they could be killed only when all three cities came in a perfect line 
while flying around. After a lot of manipulation, Vishnu managed to keep them in a line. Shiva was allotted the task of shooting the fatal arrow. However, each time Shiva tried to fix the arrow to his bow, he found that some unexpected hitch would thwart him. The gods appealed to Ganesha to help them, and Ganesha admitted that he was the one who was creating obstacles. You gave your word to my mother that I should be propitiated before starting any undertaking, and now you seem to have forgotten this promise. Nobody, not even my father, thought of worshipping me before starting on this venture. How do you expect to succeed? The gods realized their mistake and immediately worshipped Ganesha, who cleared all the obstacles that they were able to defeat the demons easily. This story is meant to show that no human endeavor can succeed without divine aid. We tend to forget the fact that without the help of God, we are totally helpless. All human striving would be in vain if it is done without invoking the divine spirit within us. However much we may struggle, we will not be able to succeed. In this story, Shiva himself plays the part of the bewildered intellect that thinks it is in control of everything and has no need of divine aid. In another explanation, Shiva represents the supreme reality. The three demons are the three gunas or qualities of nature that bind the human being to the body. In fact, the human body is a fortress of these three demons. These three gunas are known as sattva, rajas and tamas. Sattva has a golden city, Rajas has a silver one, and Tamas an iron one. The one who wants liberation has to overcome all the three gunas or conditioning modes of nature. Shiva, the supreme spirit, has to be invoked to slay the three demons. Such legends remind us that human life is not to be wasted in material attainment, but it is a field for our expansion to the highest state. Once it is said that Ganesha, with the permission of his father, set forth for Kashi or Varanasi. He disguised himself as an astrologer. Many people flocked to him for he had a wide knowledge of the subject. The queen of Kashi now requested her husband, Devadasa, to be allowed to see this astrologer. Both of them went to the astrologer who told them that a Brahmin priest would come to them within 18 days and they should abide by what he said. Having said this much, Ganesha left Kashi and roamed around. Since he did not return to Kailasa, Shiva became a bit worried and requested Vishnu to go to Kashi and search for him. Vishnu, accompanied by Lakshmi, went to Kashi and went to see the king on the 18th day as prophesied by Ganesha. Devadasa welcomed the Brahmin, who was none other than Vishnu in disguise, and begged him to give some advice. Vishnu told him that though he had all the qualities of a just king, he lacked one thing, and that was that he had not invited Lord Shiva to take up his abode in his capital city. Devadasa was most penitent and built a magnificent temple to Shiva and spent the rest of his life in meditation and prayers to Shiva. Thus, thanks to Ganesha, Kashi became the abode of Shiva and was blessed by him. Once there was a demon called Bhanda who lived in Bhuvaneshwar. He approached the king and asked him for assistance in building a temple for Ganesha. Give me a hundred thousand gold coins and I shall build a magnificent temple to Ganesha. The spire will aspire to reach the heavens. On its completion, I shall invite a hundred thousand Brahmins and lay the table for them with leaf plates and glasses of water. The simple king handed over the required amount and the demon spent a very small part of the money and built a modest temple on a hill. 
He invited hundred thousand poor Brahmins, but when they came, he gave them water and then drove them away. The king was naturally incensed at this behavior and called him to task. The cheeky demon retorted, I only promised that the temple spire would aspire to reach the heavens, but did not say anything about the size of the temple. I said I would invite a hundred thousand Brahmins and lay the table for them with leaves and give them water. I certainly did not say anything about feeding them. I have fulfilled both these promises. There was nothing that the poor king could do it but to expect except the fact that he had been neatly tricked by the clever demon. The goddess eventually killed Bhanda in her incarnation as Zelitha. Even she had to invoke Ganesha's aid to kill him. The image of Ganesha that was installed at this spot eventually came to be known as Bhanda Ganesha. This image was subsequently removed to the Jagannath temple at Puri, where it still exists in the inner quadrangle. There is an interesting story about the descent of the Ganga to the earth that is connected with Ganesha. After Bhagiradha's tapasya, Ganga agreed to come to the earth, but since the earth would not be able to endure her might, Shiva was requested to catch her in his locks. This he did without any problem and kept her there much to Parvati's annoyance. She could not bear the thought of his having a secret love tucked away in his locks that she could not even see. She begged Shiva to bring Ganga out into the open, but he refused. She decided to consult her two sons, Ganesha and Kastigaya, and begged them to help her. They got together and thought of a master plan by which their father would agree to release Ganga. At that time, Indra, the god of rains, let loose his entire stock of water, so it kept raining for many years. All places except the ashrama of sage Gautama were devastated. Everyone rushed to his ashrama, where he welcomed them and gave them food and shelter and kept them safe for a long time. Ganesha and Kartikeya knew that if there was anyone who could influence her father, it was the sage Gautama. Ganesha requested Jaya, his mother's maid, to transform herself into a cow and go to Gautama's ashram. She was to pretend to be lame and emaciated. When the sages who were living in the ashram saw this pitiable sight, they decided to leave. Gautama begged them to remain, but they said that they could not continue to stay in a place that was obviously having negative vibrations, since one of the cows was in such a pathetic condition. Gautama promised to undertake any penance they decided to rectify this shortcoming in his ashrama. In the meantime, Ganesha, disguised as a Brahmin, was sitting under the shade of a tree. The sages requested Gautama to approach him, since he looked very wise. Gautama humbly approached the stage and asked him what he should do. Ganesha said that the only thing that would purify the place would be the waters of the sacred Ganga. If she washed the feet of the dying cow, all her impurities would vanish. Gautama did severe tapasya to Lord Shiva and begged him to release the waters of the Ganga so that his ashrama would become pure and free of all ne- negativity. Pleased with his worship, Shiva loosened his lungs and allowed Ganga to come tumbling out, much to Parvati's delight. Here again it was Ganesha's sagacity that enabled him to fulfill his mother's wish. The late 11th century showed the rise of many great Shiva Bhaktas, known as Nayanmas, who displayed an amazing ability to sacrifice themselves for the attainment of their personal deity. In the spiritual history of the world, 
It would be difficult to find such matchless devotion to God as evinced by these 63 saints. Of these, the greatest were four in number and were known as Appal, Sambandar, Sundarar, and Manikkavakchakar. The story of Saint Ovayar Ma, who was a great devotee of Lord Ganesha, took place during this period. She was abandoned by her parents at birth and adopted by a band of minstrels. She was very beautiful and had many suitors. Unlike normal girls who would have delighted in their beauty and the fact that they had suitors, she was desperately unhappy. She had no desire to wed any of them and cursed her beauty which made her a sinner in the eyes of all men. She besieged Ganesha to take away her youth and beauty so that she could spend her life in his worship. Soon her skin wrinkled, her hair became grey, her brilliant eyes were dulled, her limbs stiffened and her breast sagged. She was overcome with joy and left her home and wandered far and wide in the kingdoms with Chola, Pandya and Chera. Her life was simple and dedicated to the worship of her favourite deity. She composed many poetic works. She was a contemporary of the noble Shiva Bhakta, Sundarar and Cheraman Perumal. Once when she was doing her puja, she saw a vision of Sundarar and his friend the king being taken to Kailasa in a divine vehicle. She also wanted to join her spiritual friends and try to rush through her rituals. At this, Ganesha appeared before her and told her to finish her puja calmly as she had always done and he would fulfill her desire. At the end of her worship, she went into a trance as she normally did and composed one of her greatest hymns in praise of Ganesha called Vinayaga Avval. As she finished it, Ganesha appeared and lifted her in his trunk and wafted her off so that she reached Kailasa before her two friends arrived. Jeraman Perumal asked her how she had reached before them and this, this is what she sang. O king, is there anything unattainable by one who intensely concentrates on the fragrant feet of the son of Ummiyal, Ganesha, of sweet and comely speech, the thunderous thud of the swift elephant and that of the agile horse must give place to that of the rider of this old dame who is none other than the mighty Mahaganapati. Om Gam Ganapataye Namaha May that kind-hearted Lord, who is capable of burning all the sins of the age of Kali, be gracious unto me. By his grace, the mute become eloquent, and the lame climb mountains. I wish the sun, I worship the son of Shankara in the morning to attain his grace. He is the head of the Ganas and has a beautiful elephant face. He grants security to his devotees and is like the forest fire which destroys the jungle of our problems. His divine fire burns our ignorance and lights up the spark of knowledge in us. Hari Om. That's